Hello, welcome to This Week in the Atlantic Coast Conference, the podcast for allsportsdiscussion.com. This is Jeff, one of your podcast co-hosts, and you can follow me on Twitter at TalkinACCSports. That's at E-A-L-K-I-N-A-C-C Sports. Your podcast moderator is Matthew, and you can follow Matthew on Twitter at ASD underscore Hokie Smash. I'm going to turn it over to Matthew as he introduces our guest. Well, tonight, Jeff, we have a great return guest and a great friend of AllSportsDiscussion.com. We've had James Curl on this show so many times. He's been on this podcast so many times, whether it's been for previewing NC State football, whether it's been for just previewing the week that was, or I should say reviewing the week that was in ACC football and previewing the next week. And he's also been on here during college basketball season, and he's been on panels for our site. He's kind of a utility player for us for, for NC State Athletics. And right now, James Curl's over at Pack Pride. He runs a just a great podcast over there with the 247 sites, two seven two four excuse me, 247 Sports North Carolina State fan site. It's not affiliated with the university. Let me make sure I say that. And you can follow James on Twitter at, at James Curl. That's at J-A-M-E-S-C-U-R-L-E. James, welcome back. Just I, I gave a brief rundown, but you have much more history, really, <laughs> really, in the ACC blogosphere, ACC Twitter sphere, NC State, the Triangle. Tell us about yourself, James, because you have a much deeper history among those among those uh, various areas that I just talked about. The floor is yours, friend. Well, I appreciate you letting me hop back on with you guys. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've been around for uh, a bit, and uh, I don't know how many years I've been joining you guys doing this show. It's, uh, I'm, we certainly have been doing this well before COVID, so that's at least four or five years now. So um, it's been uh, it's been a minute hanging out with you guys, but you know, I I uh, you know state grad in '01 and uh, had worked at the student newspaper when I was there. Started a blog in '09. And then the podcast, first podcast in 2011, the old uh, Riddick and Reynolds podcast. And, uh, you know, uh, joined Corey. I, I should mention Corey Smith is actually the, uh, the um, uh, I don't know if he's the owner, but he's the person who manages. Let me just say manages and runs Pack Pride. Um, so I'm, I'm just the guy that hops on with him every week at Amedios and uh, we talk about NC State sports. So I don't, I don't want to take any credit uh, for the hard and difficult job that is running Pack Pride because those running any of those team sites is something that's well beyond my scope and ability. I don't know how Corey does it, but um, you know, I I just uh, I wanted to make sure that I didn't take any uh, credit that wasn't due. But um, yeah, just uh, have enjoyed hanging hanging out with you guys over the years and uh, looking forward to well, not looking forward to. I guess I'm I'm here to discuss. NC State football, not a lot to look forward to right at the moment, but uh, we'll get well, into it. <laughs> yeah, and I'm glad you I'm glad you mentioned your your partner there at two four seven sites to serve two four seven sports. I didn't mean to imply imply otherwise. I I, I kind sure. of assumed that you were the podcast guru, and that's that that's that's kind of what I gathered from what you said. You know, so we are as I said, we're happy to have you back, and we want to have you review 
week seven for ACC football with us. Which ACC football team was the most disappointing team in week seven and which ACC team was the most impressive team in week seven? You don't necessarily have to talk about NC State. I'm sure it'll come up. I'm sure it'll come up, but you know, you may have you know, you may have some other candidates that you want to talk about as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, uh, certainly with a focus on NC State, it, it was certainly very disappointing uh, to see how our game against Duke played out. Um, so I'm tempted to go there right away. But, um, you know, I, I I felt like Syracuse might give Florida State a little bit more of a, uh, a fight in their game. Um, you know, Wake Forest has just been kind of a real disappointment this year. But, I mean, I know that obviously they're, they're in – kind of a, a rebuild at the moment. Um, Louisville, I mean, gosh, uh, who, who saw that coming? Um, you know, I, I, State had given Louisville all it could handle in its game, and, and I felt like there was going to be an opportunity for them to slip up at some point on their schedule, but I didn't really anticipate that it would be Pitt. Um, but, uh, you know, there's some strong candidates among that group. Uh, you know, I obviously I'd wish that Miami had beaten Carolina, but – you know, Carolina is just, they're playing really, really well right now. And um, so it's hard to fault Miami losing to, to Carolina in Chapel Hill. Um, so if you pin me down and have me pick one team, I'd say probably Louisville. Um, but, you know, my, my heart was crushed more in that state Duke game. So I, I mean, I gather that you think probably North Carolina was your most Im- impressive team this week, but Florida State looked really solid as well. Yeah, I I keep expecting both of those teams to to have a a slip up moment. Um, you know, I I you know, I'm so used to Carolina's defense struggling and they seem to have really kind of settled in nicely with Gene Chizik uh running things there and so I I I really had pegged Miami to go in and beat Carolina. Um, but they looked firmly in control of that game, you know, it, um, you know, there, it was, well, it was back and forth. Obviously Miami was leading by the three, I think at, uh, at half, but Carolina just came out and, and scored, what was it? 21, 24 straight points unanswered. Um, they just, when they get things going on offense, they look really, really hard to beat. And, uh, you know, obviously Des Walker coming back, um, from the, kind of the baffling NCAA suspension. Uh, I say Des, I meant to say Tez Walker. Um, you know, it's just, uh, they look really, really strong right now. It's hard to see them um, with their schedule that lies ahead, you know, being, you know, beaten by too many more teams. They've, they've still got to play Duke, and then they've still got to play us in uh, Raleigh. So um, those might be their two less, best opportunities to drop one here. Obviously, the ACC schedule being what it is, you know, Florida State and Carolina won't face each other. So there's a very good chance that both of those teams will finish the season undefeated. Um, you know, Duke, I, I honestly thought that State was going to give Duke a better game. Um, you know, Riley Leonard did, uh, did not play in that game because of his ankle injury. I felt like that gave us a, a really good opportunity to go into Durham. And, you know, again, I Duke has played well in spots against good teams. You know, they had a chance against Notre Dame. I I've, I keep thinking that 
next week will be the week where the offense finally starts clicking and their defense just really, really shut us down. You know, had a huge interception that set up a, a quick touchdown for them. You know, their quarterback, their backup quarterback, uh, Beelan, came in, completed only four passes, but two of them were touchdowns. And only threw 12 – I think he only threw the ball one time in the second half. I mean, that's how comprehensively, um, you know, in control of that game Duke was there in the second half. We just could not get anything going on offense. And Duke, all they had to do was basically just run out the clock – uh, run the ball at us, smother us with their defense. Um, so in terms of games that I actually watched wire to wire, that state Duke game, uh, was what it was. And, and Duke really, really did look impressive in that. So, you know, um, that might lead us into, um, you know, uh, the week eight slate, uh, here coming up, but, um, I'm interested to see if, if Duke can keep it up, um, heading down the rest of the calendar. I think a lot of us. You're not. You're not alone there, Jeff. You're up, friend. All right. Thanks, Matthew. Uh, James, what ACC football games uh, are you looking forward to the most in Week Eight? Uh, it's got to be that Duke Florida State game. Uh, I mean, it, it, between you know, obviously Carolina is now ranked in the top ten. Uh, and they'll be facing off against Virginia at home. But I really want to see how well Duke fares in Tallahassee against Florida State. You know, the old mantra is that defense travels. Um, I think there's a really good chance that uh, this Duke team is going to give Florida State all it can handle. You know, obviously, Jordan Travis, great quarterback for Florida State. I think he got nicked up in that game, though, this week. So, you know, who knows if he will be 100% healthy for that game or not. But, uh, you know, obviously there's a chance that Riley Leonard might come back or be healed up in time for this. But the way that Duke played against us, they may not even need him. Um, I, I don't know that I would pick Duke to win right out, but I think there's a really, really good chance that Duke pulls it off. And, I mean, it's just going to, you know, make um, all the – certainly all the, the fans here in Raleigh – kind of envious that Mike Elko was come in, was able to come in and improve them so rapidly in just such a short period of time with a roster that by all accounts is less talented um, than just about any other ACC team. They're just doing it um, through uh, great coaching at this point. Um, don't beat themselves. That was the, that was the big thing uh, coming out of the state <clears throat> Duke game was that uh, Dave Doran iterated just how much, or how great a job Duke did in not beating themselves. Um, State committed so many penalties in that game against Duke, and Duke didn't. They just played a a clean game. And so I think if Duke can go on the road to Florida State and play the kind of game they played against us, they've got a real good shot of beating Florida State. All right. Um, James, which ACC team could be on upset alert uh, in week eight, if they're looking ahead to a game on their schedule or otherwise just sleepwalking on the field? I mean, I, I, I'll stick with, uh, I'll stick with, you know, the game I I wanted to take a look at. I mean, I think Florida state has a chance of being upset. You know, they're, they're currently ranked fourth, probably have aspirations of making the college football playoff. 
And I think there's a decent chance of it if they can run the table and win the ACC. But, you know, um, Duke's only loss right now is that game against Notre Dame. And if they uh, end up beating Florida State, that's going to, you know, it's going to make it real hard to to see Duke not get into the uh, ACC title picture with that game in hand over Florida State. And again, we talked about North Carolina. You know, if they can run the table or finish the season with only one loss, then you're looking at, you know, Duke, Carolina, and Florida State being three teams with, um, you know, competing for two spots, essentially. So Florida State's going to definitely want to, if they want to ensure that they make it to that title game, uh, they got to beat Duke because I think there's a real good chance that, um, you know, I think it's just hard. You know, we're so used to, to the down years of Duke and thinking about Duke as the team that was, you know, kind of the laughing stock of the 90s and the early 2000s. But again, you just have to be really, really impressed with the job that Mike Elko's done there in such a short period of time. That defense is really something special. And they don't, again, they don't beat themselves and they, they don't, um, they just really don't allow you uh, or your team to get into a, a good offensive flow. You know, now Florida state's got a tremendous amount of talent, certainly more talented than NC state. So there's a chance that, you know, Florida state's skill position players might just be too much for Duke to handle. But, you know, I, I think it's going to be a close one. And I think there's a real good chance that if Florida state's not on this a game, that Duke will go down there and beat them. All right. Um, let's step out of the ACC for a bit here, James. Uh, which national FBS game or games are you looking forward to in week eight? Um, and we're wide open this with this question. This can be a power five, uh, non-power five game. You can even have an FCS matchup and then give us uh, your winner of that game or if another one catches your eye. Well, as much as I despise the SEC and how highly it thinks of itself, I mean, that Tennessee-Alabama game is going to be probably a fun one. Um, Alabama obviously is not kind of the world beaters that we're used to them being. And Tennessee's not, you know, the team that they were, uh, minus Hendon Hooker. Um, so I think there's a chance that that game will be um, – Certainly uh, not the you know heavyweight title bout that a, a lot of those Alabama games are against the top teams in the SEC, but it'll still be pretty interesting, I imagine. Um, you know, it's in Tuscaloosa, so I, I would say that Alabama's probably going to come out ahead. But you know, uh, I don't know. I, I I think that this is a different Alabama team than we're used to seeing, and it would be a, a decent chance that there's a, an upset there for Tennessee to go on the road. Um, and then, you know, Penn State, Ohio State, how good is uh, Ohio State can, and how good is Penn State? I mean, um, I feel like Penn State's one of those teams that we've been waiting to kind of get over the hump into the uh, caliber of getting into the college football playoff. They're probably the team that's been the closest but not quite their team for the an, an extended period of time. James Franklin has done – you know, good job building them up, but he hasn't been able to build them up to that Ohio State, Michigan level. Um, so, if they want to enter that conversation, they got to go on the road and, and beat uh, Ohio State and Columbus. But um, probably those two games would be the ones that 
that I am uh, going to be keeping an eye on. State's going to be off this week, so you know I'll finally have an opportunity to you know not be stressed about my team losing on a Saturday. Um, so it'll be wide open to watch pretty much anything, or who knows, I might just decide to mow the yard instead. Um, take <laughs> take a week off. I hear you. All right, James. Um, you know we've reached about the midpoint of the season here. Um, which ACT team do you think has underperformed uh, thus far on the season, and who has overperformed? And you know which ACC coach should be feeling some heat? Uh, here at the midpoint uh, well, of uh, the, the 2023 season. Before we go on to that, James, before we go on to that, James, I just want to add one thing on that prior on that prior question. I sure. am looking forward to USC and Utah. Mm-hmm. I've been watching more Pac-12 football this year than I think I have in several years, mm-hmm. and it will be interesting for me to see whether whether you you know whether USC can rebound from just getting I mean they got demolished against Notre Dame they just in a game that, in a game that I would argue that nobody saw right I think it was on Peacock or something like that I mean a little <laughs> a little facetious right um, but I think that but I, I will be interested to see whether whether USC can rebound from that because there there are some you know huge games in the Pac-12 that are going to I think going to really impact the playoff, the playoff spot, the, the playoff playoff spot. I mean, I've, I, I think a, a one loss Washington team, for example, may have an opportunity. You know, Jeff knows more about this than me, and you probably know even more about this than me as well. But I think a one loss Pac-12 team could could find itself into the college football playoff this year because of the strength of the conference. So I'll be interested to see whether 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 uh, whether USC can rebound from that. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, USC has struggled so much this year on defense, um, and it really seemed to, to catch up with them in that Notre Dame game. Um, I, I think, um, you know, it, it, it'll be interesting to see, to your question about, you know, could a one-loss Pac-12 team get into the college football playoff? I think there's going to be a lot of interesting discussions among, you know, the – leagues outside of the big 10 and the sec i mean honestly the sec hasn't had a banner year um the big 10 has looked really good with michigan and ohio state at the top and we were just talking about penn state as well you know there might be a a potential that we see two big 10 teams you know and then the sec champion and then you know would the uh pac-12 or acc get a team in with one loss um so, I mean, certainly the Pac-12's had its best season in a while, but is that good enough to to get a one-loss team in there? I don't know. Um, I guess it will depend on how uh, the rest of the landscape shakes out. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if USC can rebound from that. You know, Notre Dame had to find a way to rebound and did so against USC. I wonder if USC can do the same against a, a pretty good Utah team. Definitely, definitely. Go ahead, Jeff. All right, thanks, um, Matthew and, and and James. You brought up a point that I'm going to get into in the open mic, and 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 that's about the, uh, you know, the one loss possibility there in the Big Ten, um, and and the SEC. Um, I'm I'm definitely a what have you done for me during the current course of the season? You know, kind of put blinders on 
just because someone is a name brand and i'm going to get into that during during my my open mic but let's let's get into the next question here before we get into that and um i want to ask you what what acc team has underperformed thus far and who do you think is overperformed (laughs) and and which acc coach should be feeling some heat you know getting on the hot seat now at the midpoint of the season well um you know uh it's so funny that uh, there are the usual suspects um, in kind of the uh, the underperforming, overperforming uh, categories. I guess you know um, overperforming. I mean, I I did not expect Carolina would look this good. Um, you know, I I knew that. Yeah, I think we all knew that Drake May was just a really great quarterback. As much as it pains me to say it, but. I really expected their defense to look about like what it looked last year. And while it's not, you know, the most spectacular defense in the world, you know, it's certainly done. It's, you know, more than enough this year to take it from a team that, you know, would looks capable of dropping just about any game to um, almost assured favorite in just about every game. Um, now, I mean, you know, they haven't had the most difficult schedule, um, but at the same time, I mean, they've they've played a good number of Power 5 teams, um, more so than some of the other non-conference schedules. Um, let me pull up uh, Carolina's schedule here real quick. But, I mean, you know, they, they opened the season with a, a solid win against South Carolina. It looked not quite as great as it did at the time, but, uh, you know, South Carolina, App State, Minnesota – I mean, you know, they've got a, a game against Campbell coming up. So there's there's a cream puff still left on their schedule. But, you know, I mean, you know, you look at their uh, six wins so far. Um, they're, they're against teams that honestly, um, you know, should have given them more of a fight than they did. Um, I re- Like I said, I really expected more out of Miami. You know, they only beat Miami by 10 points, gave up 31 against Miami, but... I really felt like in terms of, um, you know, expecting that letdown game from Carolina, we haven't seen it this year. So I, I think that they are, um, again, as much as that pains me to say, I, I really feel like they are kind of meeting expectations, perhaps meeting the expectations that they, that folks expected for them last year. Um, <clears throat> and of course, you know, Duke is just really, uh, I think it's so funny. I, I when the preseason polls and discussion came around, you know, the teams that people were really talking about were Florida State and Duke, and I was like, I just don't see it for Duke two years in a row. I mean, yeah, they they were a nice story last year, but I really expected a coming back down to earth moment for them, and all they've done is taken it up another level. Um, to me, that's really really impressive you know they may not be as um capable of scoring as many points and winning with offense as carolina or florida state but the way that they're winning through defense the the way that they just don't beat themselves and the way that they're able to do so well in one score games um is really really impressive and something uh a lot of teams would um i think uh are are envious of no doubt uh, and then you look at kind of who are the disappointing teams. 
you know, uh, Syracuse seems to have this act down to a pat where they start off the year really strong and then go on a losing streak. You know, they, they get out to four and zero, and then now they've lost, um, you know, three uh, three conference games, or maybe I've got that wrong. Yep, no, they started the season uh, not a murderer's row uh, exactly: Colgate, Western Michigan, Purdue, and Army. Um, but you know the way that they looked in that Purdue game, I thought this this uh, you know Syracuse team has some potential. Um, and then they you know they get beat handily against Clemson. Carolina waxed them just in a, a really vicious beatdown, and Florida State murdered them too. I mean their last two uh, games looks like they've been outscored eighty-one to ten. I mean <laughs> that's that is not putting up much resistance. So, um, you know, Syracuse and, and Wake, I mean, you know, again, Wake is uh, kind of rebuilding here, you know, really missing Sam Hartman, obviously. Um, I don't know. It's, I, I, I feel like we all fall into the trap of um, underestimating Wake Forest. And then when they have a year that kind of meets that traditional expectation for them, it feels like they're uh, – you know, underperforming. I guess we had just gotten used to the idea that we would not think much of them. They would exceed expectations and then we would have to adjust our expectations in mid season. And now we're actually getting that wake forest season that we all kind of expected. Um, you know, kind of easy, I guess, to, to pick the bottom two teams in the league. Um, I don't know. I, I, uh, and, and, you know, maybe Pitt is also a good candidate here too, because, you know, Two and four overall. I think we expected more out of Pitt. Phil Jerkovic um, obviously did not pan out at all, and uh, they they obviously have more life now with their uh, replacement quarterback beating Louisville. Um, but uh, who, who knows if they can keep the ball rolling or if they'll um, kind of struggle to make a bowl game. There's there's several teams on here, including my NC State Wolfpack, that are going to be really scrapping and fighting just to get six wins to, to make a bowl game this year. <clears throat> All right. Uh, thanks, James. Uh, Matthew, I'm going to turn it over to you as we close out the podcast. James, now it's my turn to ask you about NC State, man. Okay. Is NC State going to make a bowl? And let me ask you a question. What is going on with the offense? Because it hasn't it hasn't looked like an offense, honestly, all year. Well, let me ask, ask, answer your first question. So our remaining schedule is Clemson at home, Miami at home, and then we traveled to Wake Forest and to Virginia Tech, and then a home game against Carolina. Um, if we had a competent offense, I would say that there's a chance that we could win all five of those games. Uh, the way our offenses looked right now, there's a chance that we could lose all of those games, especially since we have such a historical, uh, track record of, uh, failure in Winston-Salem. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, we, we got to somehow find two more wins in that collection. And apart from, you know, uh, I mean, it's got to come I almost, uh, I have to say, it's got to come from Wake Forest and Virginia Tech. And since you got to get those two on the road, 
uh, I would say the odds of winning both of those games is probably less than 50%. Not unless something starts to click pretty quick. Now, we get a bye. You know, it's kind of a, a later bye in the year for us. You know, we've, we've played seven games. And I think a lot of the other teams in the league have only played six. So we're getting a bye to rest up and, and try to figure out some way to, you know, put something together against Clemson. Um, I'm not going to call for us to win that game. You know, Miami is a potential <clears throat> just because who knows? They uh, that, that team has a propensity, and, and Mario Cristobal has a propensity to do crazy things in dumb situations. Um, but uh, to your question about what's wrong with the offense, uh, obviously, that's the million dollar question here in Raleigh right now is, you know, why did Brendan Armstrong not work? Um, you know, it se- it felt like a a natural pairing where you're bringing in, you know, uh, a quarterback who had such a tremendous 2021 season with the offensive coordinator that you know put him in those positions. Um, I, I don't know if his last season at Virginia and the struggles that he had killed his confidence, but he didn't seem like he had the same level of confidence that he did uh, two years ago. <coughs> Um, you know, uh, we knew NC State's wide receivers were going to be uh, question marks, but, you know, Casey Concepcion has been a great revelation. And, you know, he, he but he can't do it all by himself. Um, you know, and there, guys have dropped open passes. You know, that, that was one of my frustrations as, you know, the fans soured on Brennan Armstrong early was, you know, if our wide receivers were executing and catching the balls that were hitting them in both of their hands, you know, my, my thought was always, if you can put two hands on the football, you, there's no excuse for you to not bring that in. Um, but we had so many, you know, balls, either just flat drops or ones that, you know, were probably, um, you know, thrown a little behind, a little ahead, a little too high, but most, I think, you know, a replacement level wide receiver in this league, makes that catch um guys just weren't executing and and the offense really struggled and you know that moment when doran had to make the switch from brendan armstrong to mj morris it was because you could tell that the spirits of this team were just really really deflated uh the defense was playing tremendously well i mean that louisville game that we lost 13 to 10 i mean you hold louisville who had been you know scoring you know, uh, 40, 50 points a game uh, to just 13 points, you know, you shouldn't lose many football games when you hold a team to 13 points. And that you could tell, you could sense that if a change didn't take place, then we were going to lose both sides of the ball. The defense was going to just, you know, ask themselves, "What, what am I killing myself for? If this is what I've got to go, uh, you know, if I got to save the bacon of this team and the offense is not giving me anything, um, you could, you could sense some frustration there. Um, so MJ, uh, you know, he's had his struggles and, you know, that was kind of the risk of making the, the change was if you switch quarterbacks and that didn't solve the problem, now what? And we're kind of finding ourselves in that now what moment. So, um, you know, I, 
The offensive line has struggled. Like just about everything that can break or go wrong with an offense has gone wrong. I mean, in that Duke game, we had four false start penalties, just stupid mistakes. You know, lack of mental focus and the things that when you know you're <clears throat> struggling on offense to begin with, it's just really hard to play behind the chains and go from first and ten to first and fifteen, or you know, get a holding penalty and you know go from you know, second and five to, you know, first and 20. Those sorts of things just make it really, really difficult on an offense that's already struggling to begin with. And, you know, against a team like Duke this week, it, you know, they didn't need to put up a ton of points to beat us. Obviously, we only scored three on a, you know, a 57-yard field goal, lo- longest in program history. Um, that should have been uh, a fun talking point, but instead it was the only points we scored the entire game. And uh, so, a lot of a lot of questions yet to be answered for this offense. And and if anyone has a a, a remedy or or magic bullet to figure out and fix things here in Raleigh, uh, I'm sure Dave Doran would greatly appreciate it. Outstanding answer, outstanding answer. And I, I I and to be fair, I thought you brought up a good point about Mario Cristobal and his. Decision making, I, 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 you can't take that out of the equation when you're playing the Miami Hurricanes. So I think that was a very good. I think that was an. I think that was an outstanding point. Jeff, friend, you're up. Yeah, I want. I want to go back to something that we were talking about earlier in the podcast, and and you know that was the fact that we're even having to discuss it i mean we have to discuss it but the fact that this is even coming up that uh, a one loss pac-12 team you know has to worry about being taken over um by multiple uh big 10 teams or or an sec a second maybe in a second sec team is it's just it's just mind-boggling um to me and you know, just you look at Michigan's schedule and, you know, you play the schedule that's in front of you. But but my, I mean, my goodness, it's, I think I said this on another podcast uh, earlier. You know, you, you go two and a half months without even having to barely break a sweat. This, this is their schedule. East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, Rutgers, Nebraska, Minnesota, Indiana, Michigan State, Purdue before on, on November 11th. Um, you, you go to Penn State. Uh, I mean, Michigan may very well be a top three team. They might win the national championship, uh, but you can't judge a team based on that schedule, how good how good they are. And, and even Georgia, and all credit to them, they have been the best program in college football over the last uh, couple of years. UT Martin, Ball State, South Carolina, UAB, Auburn, Kentucky, who they've got exposed. We saw it in Missouri. That's their best win that they were getting all kind of credit for. And we know they're they're no they're terrible, <laughs> to be honest. At Vanderbilt, maybe Florida. I mean, we know what Utah did to them, but maybe maybe Florida might be again. I mean, again, you've got teams going basically two months without having to play anyone and getting way too much credit. Um, you know, once you get past in the Big Ten, past Michigan, Penn State, and Ohio State, it, it's a just falls off a cliff in quality. Uh, at least Ohio State won at Notre Dame in a game that they really should have lost. 
Uh, if Notre Dame, you know, doesn't drop two of the interceptions that they had in their hands on that final drive, you know, or stops either the third and long or the fourth down play, uh, you know, Ohio State is taking an L, and we're still talking about Notre Dame in playoff contention, even with the loss at, at Louisville. Uh, I just I think it's crazy that we're having to, you know, talk about teams from the Pac-12 or the ACC, and, and we didn't even talked about Texas and Oklahoma from the from the Big 12 having to try to navigate, you know, teams that haven't done anything, you know, all season long. Um, I mean, if I was putting together a top five, I, I don't know how you put Georgia and Michigan in the top two. They, they just haven't proven anything. They might be the best teams in the country at the end of the year, um, but against the schedule they've had, and then especially Clemson was, you know, just getting blasted about this for previous years of not playing anyone. You know, we're seeing it right here with, with Georgia, Michigan. Um, let me look at Penn State's schedule. I don't – and let me add something here too, Jeff, just real quickly. And I, and and you know, and I'll 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 say this before, say this just really quickly. This is what Washington's November looks like at USC, November fourth, number ten, number sixteen, Utah at home at number fifteen, Oregon State, number nineteen, Washington State at home. These teams are all in the top 20. I don't think it can be disputed. I mean, James and Jeff, you can tell me if I'm wrong here, but Pac-12 has had, I believe, has had the best football season of all conferences, and right now I think they're the, the deepest football conference in the in the country, and that's that's what Washington has to get through. And if they, and, and I'm with Jeff 100%. If if Washington was one loss, what got through that schedule with one loss, and they were and 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 you see somebody like Mich, you know, see a one-loss Michigan team getting in before Washington. I I would be extremely upset for those kids. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, you know, if you have a one-loss Big Ten team uh, who's the champion, you know, I, I I could live with that or a one-loss SEC champion. But if we're talking about a second team yes. getting in over yes. a, a Right. Over a one-loss Pac-12 champion, or a one-loss Big 12, or a one-loss ACC champion, I mean, you just have to be kidding me. I mean, look at Penn State, West Virginia, Delaware, Illinois. I guess I give them a little bit of credit for beating um, Iowa at home, but I mean, Iowa, who has Iowa, we know how offensive. I'm just kidding. yeah, we know how offensively challenged <laughs> that they are. But all right, they have a pulse at least, I guess. Northwestern, UMass, um, and then they play Ohio State this this weekend, which uh, it's really going to put the loser of that game, you know, behind behind the eight ball. But I mean, you get past those three, that they, they, it's just you got to be honest, it's complete trash <laughs> in the Big Twelve. Uh, Maryland, many thought was the fourth best team, losing to Illinois this weekend. I mean, there is. That's a three-team league, and then there is nothing behind that. Maybe Iowa's decent. I might say they're that. not. They have. They, they're not. They can't. They they score like five points a half. I mean, it's just a joke. It's there's a. I think I see jokes. I see jokes on on the late night TV on even some of the major men, Jimmy Fallon talking about Iowa. I'm just kidding, uh, James. 
you're up, friend. I want, I, I know I, I use my open mic to ask you a question, but I want to give you an opportunity for your own open mic too. Well, I, I will say, um, you know, I agree a lot with what Jeff was saying. I, I think that, um, you know, I, I was able to watch the end of that Washington game and the way that they came back and won it there at the end. Um, I mean, that, that looks like a college football playoff type team. Um, and I, I agree with Jeff's point. I mean, you know, if, if we're talking about a one loss team, but a team that wins their conference championship, um, I have less of a qualm with that team advancing into the playoff than, you know, a team that uh, loses their conference title game and then gets, you know, in regardless or didn't even make, you know, has one loss, but somehow due to tiebreakers doesn't even make it into their conference title game. Hard to imagine, but, you know, um, I I think if there's one thing that will be working in the favor of perhaps the, uh, you know, the Pac-12 is that there are going to be so many good games coming down the stretch. And if Washington can run the table and win those games against those ranked opponents uh, and, you know, the teams of the Big Ten that – have had cupcake schedules so far, but then start to kind of cannibalize each other. I mean, obviously somebody's got to lose between Ohio state and Michigan. Somebody's got to lose between Ohio state and Penn state. Somebody's got to lose between Penn state and Michigan. So, you know, those, uh, those three teams are going to beat up on each other and make it difficult for there to be, you know, uh, an opportunity for there to be multiple big 10 teams. Um, you know, I, I think that, there's a pathway for, you know, uh, certainly the Pac-12 to have a, a playoff representative. And, you know, you hope that there's no question about it. You know, it, you certainly don't want it to be where the Pac-12, the Big Ten, the SEC, and the ACC all have conference champions that all have one loss. Um, and then, you know, it suddenly becomes a question of, well, everybody's got one loss. Now, who are, you know, you start looking at the, you know, second uh, prettiest candidate from each of those conferences. And I didn't even think about the Big 12, but you're right. I mean, Texas and Oklahoma are there as well. You know, it's going to be, um, I kind of like the four-team playoff format. I, I understand the desire for expansion and, and expansion will make it more likely that other teams who are, you know, deserving, but had a, a, a single game slip up uh, that they'll get in. And, you know, it's obviously, it, you know, it drives viewership and ratings and all of that. It's all about money now anyway. That's why we're bringing in, you know, the historically great ACC teams, Cal and Stanford um, and SMU. Um, but, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, I, I kind of like the four-team playoff. It, it limits – you know, it, it makes you feel better about the the national champion being, you know, a, a true champion. Um, it, I don't know, it'd be interesting to see uh, in the years where the expanded playoff format, is there going to be a Cinderella team of sorts, you know, a, a team that uh, just squeaks into the field? Can they get hot and make a run to the title game? You know, it's a little bit more difficult in football when you when you've got a roster of eighty five scholarships and you know twenty two players on the two deep 
that all have to stay healthy and, and you got to have quality depth and all those things. It's a little bit harder for a Cinderella team to advance uh, than in basketball where, you know, you, you get a couple of hot shooters um, that, you know, go on a run and can propel a team deep into the playoff or into the uh, NCAA tournament. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see if any of those first weekend participants in the expanded college football playoff have a legitimate chance at winning a national title. But um, anyway, uh, I, I think it's uh, going to be an interesting, um, you know, uh, discussion. I, I think we'll see a Pac-12 team in the CFP this year. Um, but you just hope that it's not uh, – that they're not having to come down to the wire and sweat it against, you know, a probably a lesser deserving team from a sexier conference like the Big Ten or the SEC. If Washington is undefeated and they make it through, they should be the number one seed over Georgia, Michigan, or Ohio State. And I, I will stand on that hill and die. I think that, that would be a very, you know, I think that would, there would be a, uh, a very excellent case for that. The, the, in terms of schedule strength, who they've played, um, you know, I don't know that I would, uh, they, I, I think they will have earned the number one seed. I, I don't know that I would still put my money on them to to win it all. Um, you know, Michigan has been murdering teams, and we assume it's because they've played nobody. But it could very well be that Michigan's just that damn good. Um, but I have not been impressed all that much by Georgia, um, and you know, I, I think that uh, Ohio State, obviously, with its potential to get upset by Notre Dame. You know they've shown flaws. Um, I, you know, I think a, a Washington Michigan national championship would be pretty, pretty interesting and a lot of fun. I guess because I'm, I'm going to be like Jeff. I'm going to be like Jeff here, Jeff. That that the SEC or the Big Ten should take the three and four slot, and you'd see the Pac-12 and the ACC taking taking the one two slot, and all these people would be pissed off at me for saying that, but. That's where I, that's where I'm that's where I'm headed because if you haven't played anybody, you don't deserve to be seated. That's what they always tell the uh, AC. That's what they said the, for the ACC championship. You know, going back uh, ten years. Oh, they haven't played anyone. Why are they ranked so? Hey, I mean, you got to make that. I mean, if you're gonna make that argument for one conference, you got to make it for the other. And then the results speak for themselves. The the, the SEC is down this year. It's it's a it's a down conference. It's not very good. I mean, they got they they got it handed to them out of conference. We we saw it. We I know Texas went into Tuscaloosa, and you know they thumped Alabama, who many thought was the you know think is the second best team in the SEC now. Um, you know we know what Florida State did to LSU in the fourth quarter in that game. They ran them off the field. Uh, we know what Utah did to, to Florida with a backup quarterback. That game was never in doubt. Um, we know so, what Washington did to Michigan State, and it wasn't pretty. Yeah, I mean, you give me, you give, you put Washington playing Michigan schedule, and the results would be the same, if not worse. Uh, Washington would absolutely annihilate the schedule that Michigan's played so far, too. Well, I'll tell you, I, it's going to be – I don't envy uh, NC State Athletic Director Boo Corrigan being the uh, 
CFP chairman again um, because he's going to be that guy that has to go out on the show at the end of the selection show and explain all the rationale for why they chose the teams that they did and seeded the teams the way that they did because um, every year there's always, you know, the whoever the committee chair is, they come out and they make arguments for one team that make no logical sense when applied to the other teams in the field or vice versa. You know, they'll say one team, uh, you know, had a, a stronger strength of schedule and, you know, struggle, but felt like they, you know, deserved a spot. And then they'll <laughs> say this other team, you know, really passed the eye test. So there's going to be, uh, again, I, I, I'm sure it's prestigious, and I guess we're excited for Boo that he's uh, undertaking that. But all I can think about is the fact that no matter what you say on that selection show, you know, two-thirds of the college football world is going to be pissed off at you and uh, calling you an idiot for trying to make the arguments that you do. Just just be consistent. That, that's well, all that I ask. If, if you're yeah. going to... <laughs> but I mean, the, the problem with that, Jeff, is that there's no one consistent argument that seems to satisfy um, everyone. And, and you know, it, it's hard to apply one measuring stick to, you know, all the teams and come up with a field that feels right. I think I think a lot of times, you know, I don't have a huge qualm with the field that they come up with at the end. They usually end up picking, you know, a collection of teams that seems to make the most sense, but it's when they try to rationalize it. If you, I mean, you can't just go out and say, well, it feels like this, these are the four best teams to have in the field. When you get to ask the question why, and then start trying to put some rationale behind it, that's where the consistency fades away and evaporates. So. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I totally agree with you on that. There, there's not going to be any way that's going to satisfy everyone. But I, I just want them to say, hey, we've ranked Michigan number seven here because they haven't played anyone. They don't have play, haven't played a ranked team. Like when the first rankings come out and, and use the, that argument that they've used against other teams in, in the past. It's, it's when, to me, I get frustrated when they start, you know, flip-flopping the rationale. No one's going to ever like the, the rationale, whatever it is. But just use the same thing is, yeah. is what I, I would like to see. Well, and, and we all know that the initial weeks of the college football playoff rankings are just to drive television. I mean, you know, yeah, they'll, that's true. <laughs> they'll, they'll shift teams around and it's like, well, why did this team rise and why did this team fall? It's like, well, it doesn't matter. We're just shifting teams around to create talking points and discussions and and, you know, give podcasters something to talk about. Um, <laughs> that is true. There's only one ranking show that matters. And so um, my, my hope is that we'll, we'll all roughly agree with the teams that get selected, uh, regardless of whatever rationale they come up with. Yep, great point. James, thank you so much for coming on the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast. You are sure. always a great guest, and we loved having you come on the show, and we would love to have you come back again sometime. Thanks so much for spending your Sunday evening with us, friend. Sure thing. I appreciate it as always. Um, enjoy hanging out with you all. All right. Have a great week, guys. Take care.
See you guys.